You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You're listening to The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter at Allison Mira. On this episode, we're highlighting the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, which also happens to be in February, alongside with the Black History Month, which we talked about last episode. So many things in February about disability and advocacy. Before we get into talking with Nico Zlobinski of the Canadian Israeli Jewish Affairs, the Pacific region, the director for for CJA. Let's get into our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. I'm going classes the other day. I don't know where to turn. This piece of junk I thought was art looks like the mummy's curse. My teacher smiled to his side, picked up his project, looked in his eyes, and said, Now don't you give up yet.
The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario. And the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and me, your host, Alison Klein. On this episode, we're talking about the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, and I'm going to be talking with Nico Zlobinski, the Canadian-Israeli Jewish Affairs. He is the director of the Pacific region for Western Canada. Thank you so much, Nico, for being on my show and talking about such an important thing. First off, how did Sija or the Canadian Israeli Jewish Affairs get involved with the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month or JDAM? Alison, it's always great to um, talk to you. Thank you for having me on your show today. Uh, it's an honor to be here with you representing the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs and the Pacific region and giving a voice to uh, the community in British Columbia. CJA is the advocacy agent of the Jewish community, and we work very closely with the Jewish federations uh, in Canada, particularly in British Columbia with the Jewish Federation of Greater Vancouver. And we got involved uh, with Jewish uh, Disability Advocacy and Inclusion Month a number of years ago. And this is a very important topic um, that is at the heart of the community and one of our advocacy priorities that we work on uh, on a yearly basis. Why is it so important? Why should people care? And why should the Jewish community care about others who have disabilities? We think that it is very important to assist all members um, of the Jewish community, and in this case of the Jewish disability community, in advocating for the issues that are of greater concern to them and assisting in improving their quality of life uh, in Canada. That's why we get involved. One of the big things that I've seen in previous years is uh, people coming together and doing events. Now that we're in lockdown because of the pandemic and COVID-19, what is CJA, the Pacific District, doing in honoring JDAM? So that's an excellent question. And, um, you know, you, as you well pointed out, Alison, a lot has changed due to the pandemic and due to COVID. Uh, so this year, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs has joined with the Jewish Federations of North America to bring a broad range of online resources, programs, and events during Jewish Disability Advocacy and Inclusion Month. Throughout February, uh, thought leaders, experts, and community leaders will examine the current state of disability rights and explore what actions can be taken to support inclusion and supportive care practices in our community. So what you will see happening all online is the engagement of hundreds of organizational partners and thousands of individuals who will participate in virtual workshops, presentations, discussion groups, and networking opportunities. And all of this designed to fight the societal stigma surrounding people with disabilities and to promote opportunities for full inclusion in the community. 
you mentioned stigma. What have you personally seen regarding stigma around people with disabilities in the Jewish community? That is a really good question. And, uh, you know, um, what I have seen is that there are barriers to that prevent people with disabilities um, to enjoy full inclusion in the community, right? And uh, we are here to advocate and to uh, work to make sure that people with disabilities have access to uh, the same opportunities and can exert their full potential. Like, give me an example of like a stigma that you've seen in the community. Uh, me personally, I have seen, for example, uh, perhaps people not um, thinking or, or, or feeling that a person with disabilities or certain abilities um, can perform certain jobs in the community, for example. It's, it's stigmatizing to see that, especially because I've also seen that people with disabilities can perform the job, but it's difficult for us to advocate for accommodations and access and education. Give me an example of how has Sija in the Pacific District fought against these stigmas? So there are three advocacy issues that um, Sija has been working on and continues to work on on behalf of the organized Jewish community. These issues include improved access to the disability tax credit, ensuring affordable housing is more accessible and making the Canada Caregiver Credit a refundable tax credit. So let me give you an example. Um, when we work to ensure that affordable housing is more accessible, we are working to ensure that the government of Canada dedicates 5% of any funds flowing through the national housing strategy for people with developmental disabilities, making it a requirement for a provincial housing program. That is so huge because that is one of the biggest issues facing people with disabilities and developmental disabilities, developmental and intellectual disabilities, IDD, is affordable housing. You are absolutely right. And our work in terms of our advocacy issues doesn't end there. I also mentioned, uh, you know, making the Canada Caregiver Credit a refundable tax credit. So when we work on that, uh, we are uh, hoping to achieve reforms to the Canada Caregiver, Caregiver Credit to make it a refundable tax credit, ensuring that all Canadians who are caring for relatives with a physical or mental impairment are treated equally. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions. Gospel. Live. Local. Asian. African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook 
at Allison Mira Klein and on Instagram at Allison Mira. On this episode, we're talking about the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month. And right now, we're, I'm talking with Nico Zlobinski of the Center for Israeli Jewish Affairs Pacific District. On the lines of fighting for the disability tax credit for caregivers, affordable housing, for to end the stigma for people with disabilities in the Jewish community. What's the most difficult part for fighting for equal access and disability justice for people with disabilities in the Jewish community? That is also um, an excellent question. And I think that, you know, one of the most important things is to, um, and I'm speaking now personally, um, is to provide for opportunities for all members of our community right, to come together, to understand that we are no different from uh, one another and that enacting change takes time and that we are all in this together. That's why, that's why this month uh, that highlights and celebrates the contributions uh, of people uh, with disabilities in our community is so important. It brings us all together. And the work of CJA, both in uh, advocating for the issues that you and I were talking about, Alison, but also uh, in uh, partnering with the federations, the Jewish federations of North America, uh, in putting together such a robust online offering of programs, workshops, talks, and discussions is so important. Uh, it works both ways, but more importantly, it's supposed to provide education for the broader community about how these issues impact people with disabilities. The Center for Israeli Jewish Affairs, being in North America, how do we advocate for people with disabilities in Israel and how do we connect both disability justices in two very different countries? So CJO is a Canadian organization. Um, we do not uh, delve or deal with uh, issues affecting uh, Israeli society internally. Um, that is left to the government of Israel and the uh, social welfare net and the non-for-profit organizations that are active in Israel. That is a really good question, I think, for uh, the prime minister of Israel or for uh, the minister responsible for that file. I could not possibly comment on that. I do believe that um, personally, we as the Jewish community have an obligation to one another, right? Um, but in terms of policies, in terms of uh, measures, rules, regulations, and programs uh, of, uh, that have access to the people with disabilities in Israel have access to, um, it would be up to the Israeli government to comment on. CJ is a not-for-profit Canadian organization we um, take on issues that affect the Jewish community here in Canada. Now, getting back to JDM, the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, you mentioned that we are celebrating people in the Jewish community who have disabilities, having awareness and inclusion in the month of February. And it's just one month. How do people celebrate and include those with disabilities 
in the other months without having one month of highlighting? Well, first of all, let me let me say that it's, it's important to have the month of February as the highlight and as 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 um, a month where there's an increased awareness of both the contributions um, and 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 uh, in order to be able to celebrate uh, people with disabilities and also in order to gain more awareness and understanding of the issues that impact people with disabilities. That's why, for example. Um, on February 16th, we are gonna be mobilizing Canadians for inclusion and CJA will welcome the Honorable Carla Qualtro, Minister of Employment, Workforce Development and Disability Inclusion for an interactive discussion on disability inclusion in Canada and how we can all work together to uh, build a more inclusive community. Anyone who wants to register for that, by the way, um, Addison, can register at www.cja.ca slash Jewish Disability Advocacy Month. And also, if anyone wants to take a look at the many events, panels, uh, talks uh, that are going to be taking place throughout this month, um, you can take a look at the uh, website Jewish Together. So www.jewishtogether.org or slash jdam. And you're going to see many events that are taking place every week for the next four weeks, uh, highlighting the many issues and the many opportunities that exist uh, for uh, people with disabilities in our community. As to uh, the second part of your question, I think that it is important that the commitment that we have as a community and as an organization um, is, is a lifelong commitment, is, is, a, is a, you know, an annual commitment uh, of highlighting, celebrating, but also working. Uh, towards inclusion with people with, with disabilities. That's why CJA's advocacy priorities, and particularly those three priorities that you and I were talking on at the beginning, uh, improve access to the disability tax credit, ensuring affordable housing is more accessible, and making the Canada Caregiver Credit a refundable tax credit, are things that we work as an advocacy organization on behalf of the organized Jewish community all year round. These are not uh, advocacy priorities that we only highlight or work on on the month of February. We are in constant contact with our interlocutors in government, in civil society, uh, in uh, our community partners, working on these issues and other emerging issues as they may uh, arise um, all year round. What is the one highlight that you've seen out of the many years that you've worked in advocacy work and especially advocacy work for people with disabilities in the Jewish community, what is one highlight you have seen over the years? Um, if I look at my own personal experience, both as a, you know, as a professional in the community and also as a member of the community, um, I have seen a lot of energy, effort uh, and resources um, put into creating, understanding, and fostering a culture of belonging uh, in the community, right? Um, I have worked uh, in partnership with the um, inclusion services, for example, at the Jewish Community Center of Greater Vancouver, a number of times now over the years. And I think that fostering that culture of belonging is a Great way to great way to highlight um, 
the need for further inclusion in our community. For the people in the Jewish community who don't have a disability or don't have personal experience with people with disabilities, what what is one piece of advice would you give them or one piece of insight to those with disabilities? What would you tell them? I think a very simple message. We are no different. We are no different. So come, get involved, participate, educate yourself, right? Bring down the barriers and let's build together a more inclusive community for all. We are no different. And before I get your contact information on how to find CJA in the Pacific District and how to get more involved, what is one piece of advice to Jewish members of the community who have disabilities and just want to feel accepted or want to be part of the Jewish community, what would you tell them? The same advice I had for um, members of the community who do not have um, any disabilities. Um, Get involved, ask for a voice at the table, participate. Tell us, educate us about the issues that impact you and the issues that you care about, and let's work on them all together. How do we find CJA, the Pacific District, Nico, and how do we find you? The easiest way is to go to our website, uh, www.cja.ca, that is www.cija.ca. Um, our contact details are there under the About Us section. Uh, my name and email can be found there. I'm located uh, in the Jewish Community Center in the third floor, albeit these days I'm working remotely many times uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, but I'm accessible to the community any day, anytime uh, as needs arise. Easiest way is to go to our website to stay tuned also uh, on sieges, happenings, actions, and advocacy work. People can uh, find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, just put our name uh, on any of those social media platforms and our account will come up. Follow us, like our post, stay up to date with the work that we're doing on behalf of you, our community members. Thank you so much, Nico, for taking your, the time out of your busy life to talk with me. Thank you for having me. And I hope that everyone can um, take time this month uh, to visit the Jewish Together website to learn about the different activities that are taking place on Jewish Disability Advocacy and Inclusion Month, and that people can find ways to get involved in this very important work uh, that the community is doing. Up next is more about the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Months. So don't turn that dial off of CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Alison Klein. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, 
indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate. With me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook and on Twitter. My Facebook handle is Allison Mira Klein. My Twitter handle is Allison Mira. So this episode, we're talking about the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, which is the month of February. What you just heard was me talking with Nico Zlobinski of the Center for Israeli Jewish Affairs, the Pacific Region. He is the director of the Pacific Region. Up next, I'm going to be talking with Shelley Christensen, who is an author, a disability rights activist for both the wider community and the Jewish community. She lives in Minneapolis, and because of the pandemic, she is one of the organizers in North America to do events celebrating Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, or JDAM. Thank you so much, Shelley, for being on my show and talking with me today. Thank you, Allison, for inviting me to be on your show. What made you want to become a disability rights activist for the Jewish community? I came about it because first and foremost, I'm a mother. And one of our sons was diagnosed at first with ADHD when he was, I think he was six years old. And I did everything I could to learn about ADHD. First of all, I thought it was all my fault. I must have done something at some point in his life or before he was born that would cause ADHD. That was my first reaction. And as I was learning about it, as he got older, um, one of his teachers handed me a book called Driven to Distraction. And I read it and it kind of described Jacob, but it really described me. So I want to just kind of put that out there that I was diagnosed as a middle-aged adult woman with ADHD. And uh, I fully embrace that. That's part of who I am. So I don't know if I would have done that had I not been an advocate. And I became an advocate in the public school system where we constantly had battles with teachers and with administrators. And this was this was by the time he was in sixth and seventh grade. And what happened, uh, I, I just kept getting these calls, the Mrs. Christensen calls. And any any parent of a kid who has a diagnosis is going to get these calls, the Mrs. or Mr. calls from the school. And I just I decided, you know what? They're not they're not educating him. Every child has one crack at an education, and our son was literally falling through the cracks. 
So I became extremely familiar with the American legal system pursuant to adults and children living with a disability and used the law really as, I don't even want to say leverage, as the right, as our son's rights to an education. And what happened, this is kind of a funny, it's funny, but it really was a turning point for me. Um, I got a call from his school one day and it was a Mrs. Christensen call. It was from the assistant principal. And he said, I'm calling to let you know that we're putting Jacob in in-school suspension today for poking a hole in a concrete wall with a pencil. Now, the absurdity of that, even how do you poke a hole in a concrete wall with anything, let alone a pencil? And that was my first reaction. My second reaction, who was watching him so closely? that they saw this. I, I really felt that there was just, you know, they were, they were paying attention to the wrong things. They weren't looking at his gifts and his strengths and how he learns. And so that became the tipping point for me where I shot back and I, I was very angry and I, you know, they hadn't complied with creating an education plan for him, which is mandated under the U.S. Uh, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act or IDEA. And so they were out of compliance and I threatened to lawyer up. Those are magic words to getting, to getting um, something started. And after that happened, I, I got a standing ovation from my colleagues. I was working in a sales office and they all stood up and applauded me for my performance as the angry mom. And I, I was like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool that I did that. And then I went, oh my gosh, what did I just do? You know, how are they gonna perceive Jacob? How are they gonna see him now? And I, I was mortified that maybe I had done something that would put him in a negative light in school when we were really focusing on trying to get them to see all the positive things about him. So um, I, after that, I went to graduate school and got my master's degree in developmental disabilities. And my whole focus was on parenting children with disabilities and what that experience is for parents. How do parents react when a child is diagnosed and how do they approach um, the education system. How do the, how do how do relationships change during this time where there are different gender-based roles? Um, how did it affect the family, siblings, grandparents, and so forth? And I really focused on collaboration because I learned finally you got to collaborate. You can't just walk in and storm in and say this is what I want. It has to be a relationship developed between school, parents, and certainly the individual, the child. So it was during that time, right after that, um, I went to work for Jewish Family and Children's Service of Minneapolis, directing a new program that was focused on including people with disabilities in, in Jewish life. And it was um, some of the things that I realized with that, we were very fortunate in our synagogue because we never had any feelings of difference. We really felt that we belonged. All three of our sons went to religious school. They, you know, they, the education was 
treated as um, going back to Proverbs, teach each child according to their way. And that it was so, I, I took it for granted, I guess, after I started my work in the, in the Minneapolis community, because I realized that not, not all schools and not all synagogues and organizations were there. There was a lot of, we don't have kids like yours here and, and we don't have the money and, you know, just a litany of reasons why people weren't included in, in everyday offerings that were available to non-disabled people. And so that, that really, that position gave me a platform to really become an advocate, not just for my son, but with, not for, but with others who just wanted to belong. And that, that was, uh, and I'm still doing that. That's, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm still doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's you getting... still have to do it, even in exactly. 2021. And I had very similar experiences growing up as to your son. I was diagnosed with a learning disability at a very young age. And then my parents had to fight and fight and fight. I w didn't go to a public school per se until high school. Uh, but in the private school, a lot of the teachers did the same things. It, it happens in Canada as well in the United States where teachers tell parents that they don't see, have any other children who are like these students with all sorts of learning disabilities or developmental disabilities, IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities. And so they are not educated. And if the parents are not educated themselves or have no experience or new immigrants, what have you, these poor kids are going through the cracks as well. Exactly. There's just no excuse for depriving another human being of the, the rights that are afforded to everyone else. And, the, you know, that's the us and them syndrome. You know, that's, yes. It, it's, it's difficult. We tend to, to put people in boxes because of a diagnosis instead of seeing the human being the human being in that person's eyes, the spark of the divine, if you want to, you know, kind of put that in more spiritual or theological terms. It is difficult to advocate for any child who, with any type of intellectual and developmental disability or learning disability. It, there's a whole exactly. gamut of issues. A really good YouTuber from Vancouver named Shelley Moore. She is a PhD candidate from the University of British Columbia in special education. And she talks about the bowling idea where you go bowling, 10 pin bowling, and each pin represents a child. And if you want to knock all of the pins down, uh, like teach every single child, but the hardest children to teach are the sevens, 
or the gifted children and the threes, the children who have learning disabilities, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Her theory is to bowl to knock those two pins down first and you'll get the middle pins just the same. So teach wow. good in that. Beautiful. So teach to those two groups and you'll teach the whole group and you'll include the whole group instead of separating each pin. Well, and that's so true. And um, what we ended up doing is we, we took our son out of the school district that he was in after, after that year of poking holes in concrete wall with a pencil um, and enrolled him in a district where we made sure beforehand we met with them, they met our son. We had really candid conversations about what, you know, about his strengths and his gifts and, and what his education, um, you know, would look like and our hopes and dreams for him as well as his hopes and dreams for himself. And what emerged was a beautiful, wonderful collaboration for four years of his education in which he learned to be an advocate as well. And that's really important. Now, he, he was diagnosed at the age of 15 with Asperger's syndrome, which even though it's not Asperger's syndrome in the DSM-5 at all, it's people, a lot of people with Asperger's syndrome consider themselves to have Asperger's syndrome. Um, he went on to university and he's um, he's working full time. He's working in the tech industry. And, you know, it's the same hopes and dreams we had for our, our other kids. But they'd be independent and happy, of course, and, and you know, living the life who for who they are and who they want to be. So that we really learned a lot about that and the one of the things that that has really stuck with me um in 2009 i attended the um the national leadership consortium on developmental disabilities institute it's through the university of delaware it was a week-long just um education about people living the lives they choose. And that, that influenced me so, so much. That was also the, the first year of Jewish Disability Awareness, Acceptance and Inclusion Month. And I learned this, and this has stuck with me, and I have to use my fingers because there's six things <laughs> that I learned. So get your fingers ready. That people living with a disability or mental health condition must have the opportunities to work, live, love, learn, play, and worship or spiritual connection the same as anybody else. So, and 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 it is up to the individual to determine their quality, what what they consider to be a quality of life. Now that is that is the essential foundation. But it's also people out in congregation land, for example, and, and, and also in public sector, um, still see people with disabilities and mental health conditions as, as someone to be fixed, someone to be 
taken care of, patronized, um, feared in some ways. And it, it's not seeing another person as being another person. It's seeing a wheelchair, not the person. Do we have to just, just educate people when the opportunities exist, something like that person isn't a wheelchair person is a person who happens to use a wheelchair you know it's these are really important things and that that's i think um i think the most exciting part of my work though is when people meeting people who do feel that sense of belonging people who in the past have been ignored just haven't been able to access whether it's physical or architectural access or having appropriate materials in, in a form that that is makes sense for them and it's an accommodation, if you will. Um, but also attitudes, I think, are the biggest barriers. And those are the those are the things that I love changing or helping people see. But there's another way to look at this whole idea of what we call inclusion. That it's, you know, it's not putting in a ramp. It's not, you know, yeah, ramp is good practice. It's necessary for many people. You know, large print books, all, all good. But it's really relationships with people that encourage belonging and contribution, not just inclusion. It's very much like that, where we're a lot of people with disabilities, both in the US and in Canada, are fighting not just for access to the building or to the institution, but also the mindsets of the people in the institution, in the organization, albeit education, synagogues, places of worship, community centers, everything. I noticed you also are an author, The Longing to Belonging. What inspired you to write that book? I wrote a book in 2007 as part of my work. I had the best job because <laughs> I could write. I'm a writer. I've always been a writer. But I wrote a book called The Jewish Community Guide to Inclusion of People with Disabilities. I, I just love long titles, apparently. And uh, the book was a how-to guide how to be inclusive, you know, and it covered like all areas of Jewish life from from camping and youth groups to bar and bat mitzvahs to um, leadership and, you know, just to the basics, how to make services accessible and how to talk to people, how to refer to people. You know, it was just like really basic and that's where we were at the time. The, the book was written as um, part of a, I guess, a pilot in a way. I was working with a lot of lay leaders in our community and they said, you know, we, we want a guidebook. We want something to tell us what to do. It's like, I could tell you what to do, but better to learn from your own experiences. And that way we can also teach other people through your experiences so they can have their own experiences. So the book was really, um, it was the only book of, the, of its ilk in, in the Jewish community. And it just, 
I had intended it for my community. And then as I met with my colleagues around the country, we had a, a very uh, good network of special educators and inclusion people at the time who worked at their central agencies. We had um, somebody from Toronto, and I'm just trying to think. Now it's much broadened now. There are people in those roles in many places in Canada. And so that book, you know, really took off. And that's kind of how my, my speaking career began. But early on in my work, I met a woman who had been locked out of Jewish life for, I, you know, for years. And she, I, I had met with her as part of the work I was doing. And I sat down with her, I went to her apartment and she first of all, she said, nobody Jewish has ever visited me in my home here. She'd been living in the, in the area, the Twin Cities for more than a dozen years. So that was like a first thing that just struck me is like, okay, put this in your own experience, Shelly. What if? And I thought, oh, that would be, yeah, that's not acceptable. That's not okay. And and that wasn't me judging her. That was me just saying, if this is what she wants, where is it? And, you know, what's, what's the resistance of the community? Well, so my job, we agreed upon, would be to just walk with her, support her to find a congregation. So I said to her, what's important to you? And that, that's a really important question to ask anyone. What's important to you? And she said, all I've ever wanted was to belong. So belonging, started thinking about that. What does that mean? Why is that different than inclusion? And so that had always been in the back of my mind. And it, it really burbled up about seven or eight years ago where I could really pay attention to it, to what it means to belong. And actually in um, the book of Isaiah, there's a... a a verse 56 chapter 56 verse 7 that is um the the most well-known part of it is for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples and i i kept seeing that i would see that and not just jewish organizations but other organizations i do a lot of interfaith work and i was seeing that in hanging up at the entrances to to churches, synagogues, see it written, you know, in their handouts and things like that. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. And I thought about that and I thought that almost feels like an aspiration to me. It, it feels like something that congregations could aspire to be, but it doesn't say why. And I thought, you know, given, given the Given the experiences working with different organizations, I felt that the why was still elusive. You know, why? It's the right thing to do. Or a grandparent on the board really wants their grandchild in religious school. So we're going to do it, you know, because we're good people. Or, yeah, we want all people to be served here and supported. Yeah, but we just don't know how. And you know, it's just like, what does this really mean? And how can, how can my, for my house, shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples, be seen as something really easy to understand about belonging? Well, I went back to the original text. And before it says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, um, it says, and I, I may misquote this, 
I will bring them to my holy mount. Um, their sacrifices shall be acceptable to me. There's a little bit more to it. Um, and then it, it ends for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And I started thinking about that. And I thought, this isn't our definition of inclusion. This is, you know, the Holy Spirit, God, this is the definition of what it means to be valued, to contribute, to be called, to make the contribution, to be a part of something, to be together, to be God's people. And that just, I was like, boing. <laughs> that's why. And so that's when I wrote the book. That's That was what I was kind of hoping to find. And so from longing to belonging is a little part memoir um, and stories of people's experiences, but also it's um, it, it, it explains what belonging and inclusion are and how they have to coexist because belonging is the key to inclusion. Inclusion is a maybe inclusion is something that we do as an organization. Belonging is what all of us do together in relationships with people and asking questions and getting to know people, creating friendships um, and support. And so that that really changed everything from that first book to this book. And then um, the rest of it looks at congregational life and organizational life. So whether it's an agency or a congregation, um, a camp, um, it, it, it walks the reader through different steps to take to become more of a, a house of worship for all peoples, a house of prayer for all peoples. That's why I wrote the book. That is so true. We all long to belong to any group and it's difficult to get that in the Jewish community because it's so stigmatized not only in the United States but also in Canada. Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM an idea worth stealing Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and the self-advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Instagram at Allison Mira. On this episode, we're talking about the Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, JDAM. And right now, I'm in the middle of talking with Shelley Christensen, an author an advocate for disability rights in the wider community and in the Jewish community, an organizer and a leader. And we're talking about her book, Belonging to Belonging. And it is a guide on everyday life for disabilities in the Jewish community. Changing topics here. Since February is the Jewish Disability Accessibility and Inclusion Month. What are your thoughts about Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Month, or JDAM, and its growth to now across North America? 
the one thing that that concerns me, I guess, is you know, on the one hand, it's great that JDAM has just grown exponentially. It's it's all over, and all the movements participate in different ways and create their own programming. And, and JDAM is a very grassroots type of initiative. But what happens after February? And that's that's always troubled me. But now I really feel like it's it's time now. The momentum is there, especially this year with so much online that we've got to continue uh, ensuring that that the pedals to the metal, so to speak, that whatever we talk about in February, you know, look, Congregation ABC is doing, um, they're having a program, they're having a movie night, they're having a discussion, they're bringing in a speaker. It's all in February. What happens in March? I, that's where I think they need guidance to take them to that next place and to build on the momentum. So one last question before I get your contact info for the listeners. What's one piece of advice for a person with a disability who wants to belong in the Jewish community? Find a place that you can call home. So that it's a little more complicated than that. It's not like, oh, hi, I want to come. I want to be there. Find a place. Find, a, find yourself, what is it? Find yourself a rabbi and you found yourself a friend. Find yourself a Jewish home and you found a place to call home. And so that may mean visiting, you know, and right now it's kind of easy to visit over Zoom. You know, go about it. Find a place that, you know, you like, you, you kind of like the vibe. You like the the prayer, the way the prayers are done. You like the, the music. Um, you see other people who are involved who may have a disability. And that's hard to tell if somebody does or doesn't. You know, it's, it's just, I think more than that, it's looking at acceptance. How does this congregation, this organization accept all people? You know, I, I've seen so often where synagogues really reject people. And, you know, I'll, I'll hear a story or I'll see or meet somebody else. Synagogue is just horrible. I just stopped going. Well, don't stop. Be relentless in finding that place because that, if that's what is important to you in your life, then it's important, period. And you want a place that understands that what's important to you is important to the place. How can the listener find you, Shelley, and buy your book and want to know more? Well, my book, it's called From Longing to Belonging, A Practical Guide to Including People with Disabilities and Mental Health Conditions in Your Faith Community. Another long title. It's available in all the usual online places. It's probably the easiest places to order from Amazon, bnn.com, target.com. Um, it's it's there. It's also, this is, I'm really, I love this. It's available on Kindle. And it's also on Kindle Unlimited. So you can check it out on Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> And there you have it. The, um, the thing with the Kindle book, the ebook, is that um, I do have some um, charts in the book 
and some questionnaires that don't always uh, format correctly in an ebook format. So, but check it out. And, uh, you know, you can always buy the hard copy after that. Or How so, can we find my, you, Shelly? You, um, you can go to my website, which is www.inclusioninnovations. It's all one word, dot com. Again, www.inclusioninnovations.com. And you can also email me at Shelly. S-H-E-L-L-Y at inclusioninnovations.com. Um, I'm on Facebook at um, Shelly Thomas Christensen. And Twitter is inclusion. I, it's inclusion innova. Inclusion I-N-N-O-V-A. Thank you so much, Shelly, for being on my show. Such an enlightening talk. You've been listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. And me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. You can find this show if you want to listen to it again or missed any part of it. You can find this show on anchor.fm forward slash Allison Klein or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's play Better Miracle from Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, his song, Better Miracle, talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window... The sun came through today. Was a day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you today. Was a day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, oh. myself I'm gonna be okay remember back then I've come a long way the dream may never ever be the same but came true still here with you and that'll do I know the road I'm on is not an easy way remember that I will define the path I take the dream yeah I'm a dreamer what can I say came true still here with you and that'll do I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul now don't need I don't need a miracle just want to get a bit better I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little better
full of regret for last time. Memories, seek to forget, never remind. The hope, the hope ain't enough, but it's alive. And love, your love is the one to get me by my life. It's never too late to get it right. Memories, sit for my mind throughout the night. The hope helps me cope with my life. And love, your love is the one to get me by. Moment mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul. Now don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a little bit. 